welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. Uh, that's a hot take. That's a scorching take. Uh, I'm not afraid to be bold, though. Thriving, surviving, and watching Rutgers football. There's nothing to respect about Rutgers. You know what? It's pain, but we look good while we do it, man. Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, recording this on the morning of Sunday, June 28th, 2020. Uh, Today we're going to be previewing Purdue football for 2020. And joining me in New Jersey, it's Griffin Healy. Griffin, how are we doing? Doing well. Just ready to talk about Boiler football and what we expect of them. Indeed. And in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's up? Um, Doing pretty well today. Uh... My favorite soccer team, Arsenal Football Club, is going to the FA Cup semifinal. We just beat Sheffield United this morning, so uh, pretty happy right now. Pretty enthusiastic uh, about Arsenal, so I'm feeling feeling the good vibes, ready to give some good predictions towards Purdue because I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good after Purdue after watching some of this film, to be honest. Yeah, congrats to the Cannons on that. And uh, joining us for the first time. Uh, one of my good friends uh, from here in Indianapolis. Uh, he's going to be attending Purdue next year. One of the biggest Purdue football fans I know. To help us preview the Boilermakers, it's Leo Degan. Leo, how are we doing today? Good, good. Excited to do this. I can't wait to talk to IU fans about Purdue football. <laughs> yeah, well, two Hoosiers and a Buckeye. So, uh, yeah. Hey, I'll say this. Are- I, don't, I don't love Purdue because, obviously, they smacked Ohio State around uh, a couple of years ago, and I like Indiana to a certain extent. But I'm not afraid to say good things about Purdue. Neither so, am I. I, I don't you worry about me. There's something afraid to say good things about Purdue. <laughs> There's something to be said about me when I'm trash talking you at school versus true. when that I'm trying true. to be objective. Okay, that's that's true. <laughs> I can be objective if I want to. It's just that most of the time I don't want to be. That's true. All right. <laughs> Wait, so, so Reed and Griffin, are you guys going to you? I am. Griffin is, Reed is a sophomore, junior in high school. Oh, okay, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, I'm actually rooming with Griffin uh, down in Bloomington, but uh, okay. let's let's get started here with, with this Purdue team. So last season, 4-8, and eight, which was disappointing. I had him finishing, I think, 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, uh, that range. But really, the, the one thing that held him back wasn't, like, the way they played or the coaching or anything like that. It was just everybody got hurt. Oh, uh, so. Yeah, I mean, who didn't get hurt? Like, I think David Bell and Karloftis were relatively healthy, but beyond that, every single member of the offensive line, yep, all the quarterbacks, the best player on the team, Rondell Moore, yep, pretty much the entire secondary. It was it was a hospital ward. Uh, So I think the biggest question they got injured last year, (laughs) and and literally anyone except for I guess Karloftis and even David Bell got hurt. Yeah, I, I. I mean, they, they were just so badly hurt that it wasn't really possible for them to, to win some of the games that were going to be anything more than a blowout. But I guess the question is, is that a one-off thing, or do we think that they're going to struggle with injuries again this year? Because that's the biggest question mark in my prediction for them, because I think they could finish anywhere from like five and seven to eight and four. Uh, in that range wouldn't surprise me, and an injury or two or – 10 like last year uh could throw a wrench into my prediction 
Um, I mean, I really hope we don't have repeat injuries, but unfortunately, a lot of the people that did get injured, they were, like, it was normally their first time being injured, except, like, none of the injuries were, you know, like, those, like, quote-unquote, like, good injuries, like, you know, you can recover, there's virtually, like, I mean, like, Rondale's, like, like, I think he tore his hamstring almost entirely, and, like, that can be a nagging thing, um... Obviously, Sindelar is done now because he got injured so much. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a little he turned down that sixth year. Yeah, because he's yeah, and I think I think it's it's totally fair to be worried about that. Uh, but I, I think one thing with Moore is that uh, I saw a little bit of him doing like some off season practice. Yeah. I saw some clips of him. He did like a backflip in the end zone, which <laughs> uh, of course he did because he's just an athletic freak. Yeah. But uh, I I guess you would have to assume when you're making your prediction, you would assume decent health at the very least. Yeah. Because I mean, every team is going to get hit with injuries at some point, but last year it just felt like the gods of football were were smiting the Purdue football team with with injuries. Like it was almost unfair how hurt that team yeah. was. It was. So here's what I gotta say about Purdue potential injuries this season, especially with Rondell Moore. Um, I was watching some film from early in the season because obviously that's when pretty much the entire team was healthy. So um, I noticed I don't really love the way the Purdue offense play, calls plays. I don't know who the play caller is because uh, they got it's um, they got a new OC. Yeah, Brom, Brom calls plays. Okay. Brom, Brom. So I don't that's like the way Coach Brom calls plays on offense, honestly. Um, just because a lot of times it seems like they try to just give it to Ronda Moore and see what he does with it. They throw like bubble screens and stuff like that. And I think Ronda Moore, if you give him short passes like four yard routes he can do something every now and then but a lot of times they just try to give him the ball and be like all right hope for the best we gave Rondell the ball what happens now so I think if they try to move forward with that I think Rondell Moore is likely to get hurt again because I mean he's not God like he's gonna get he's gonna get stopped every now and then so but I think if they I think better play calling would result in less Purdue injuries so hopefully we'll see that this season and I think that's that's gonna be a huge thing to look for is are they gonna are they gonna utilize Ronda more better and really keep him from getting hurt? Yeah, and the other thing when I, I think with play calling is uh you kind of look at the run game and they, they aren't strong at running back. Like not I wouldn't even say they're close to being strong at running back, but what they have is they have the best H back in college football. They have Rondell Moore who can run with, with the best of them. He's just electric. So I think trying to work on more end arounds and even maybe not true run plays with him, but just short screen passes that that's the whole ball game for me. I think they can get uh, a lot of good chunk yardage from him. And, and of course he's going to break off huge plays every now and then. Yeah. And you know, you talk about that running game a little bit. I think it's pretty clear to see that this running game doesn't really rely on speed or flashiness or any of that. But I think, if they play their cards right, which I think they will after going an entire year seeing what doesn't work, because pretty much not, not very much worked for this Purdue team last year. Um, and a lot of that came with injuries. But I, if they play their cards right, I think they're going to have some good play action opportunities next year with you have good passing options, especially in Ronda Moore and David Bell. You have an electric runner, H-back kind of guy in Ronda Moore as well. And then you have more of a power running back kind of thing. So I think if you, I think if they work in the playoff, play action well enough, then you could see some seriously dangerous offense from this Purdue team. 
Yeah, and the the one thing in the running game that I did notice when I was going back and looking, uh, at least later in the season, uh, due to again injuries, a guy named Xander Horvath got a lot of carries, especially in that Indiana game, uh, and he actually did really well against IU. And I remembered that I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Why is he absolutely torching us right now?" But uh huh. <laughs> but I think after after a game like that, he's gonna get a lot more touches this year, especially in uh, short yardage situations and on the goal line, because he's big, uh, 6'3", 230, uh, which is huge for a running back, almost a fullback. But uh, I see him getting a lot of touches uh, when the ball is not going to be in Rondell Moore's hands uh, on run plays, which I think most of the run plays will be his. uh, I see him getting uh, a good amount of the work. I think if you want to do run plays, you got to have both of those options because the two – pretty much opposite players to be honest with because Rondo Moore he's quick and all that and you got pretty much the opposite of that at running back so if you keep both of those options open uh you could have some seriously dangerous running plays to combat or you know to complement that uh that passing game which hopefully Purdue will put in uh put into play the right way I don't know if they will I'm not super confident uh in this coaching staff to be honest just from what we've seen last two years because They've had the weapons, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to do better with them this season. Yeah, and, and one, I think one thing I'm curious with, Leo, I'm sure you have a better perspective on this than I do, but uh, aside from Moore's going to get a lot of touches as an H-back and Horvath is going to get a lot of touches in short yardage, who do you think is going to be like the traditional speed back, the guy who will full, fill in the role that like Terry Fuller had the last year or two? Um, well, I think I actually think Horvath, and I talked about this with a few other people, I think Horvath, I hope he doesn't, but Brom just, there's something about Brom. He doesn't love giving Xander Horvath carries, basically because he's he's everything Rondale isn't. He's big, like, I mean, he's jacked, like, he's huge, but he's pretty much a fullback. Like, that's how he was always used, and I think the two years before, we basically had to use him because of injuries. So I would like for Brom to use him, but I actually think that, most of the carries and the traditional speedback will actually go to a freshman, Tyreek Murphy. He's a four star. He was because Brom said in like three different interviews, like Tyreek's our guy. Tyreek's playing early, which I don't know how good it's going to be to throw him in that early. Because even though he was a pretty highly ranked back, I was shocked we got him because we pulled him away from like like pretty good programs. But he's going to get a lot of carries early on, and King Doru probably will. But King's not really a speed back. He's more power. But he, he's, a, he's a good running back. But he was, a, he was a true freshman last year. So I think it'll probably – I wish more carries would go to Horvath. But I think speed back and overall carries will, will be split between Tyreek and King. Yeah, and uh, Ty, this uh, Tyreek Murphy, uh, he, he had plenty, plenty of solid offers. LSU, Miami, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, pretty impressive sheet, uh, to say the least. A uh, guy from uh, New York, but uh, the the other running back there, uh, King. Uh, what was what was his name? King Dori. Yeah, I'm King not sure how to that. He's actually pretty. He's pretty good at just. But we did totally play him last year out of necessity. Yeah, he'll be a, a true sophomore this coming season, so I'm sure uh, he'll get a little bit more uh, carries. Uh, another question, I think, uh, is quarterback, uh, but. I would assume 
that uh, if he gets healthy, because he, he tore his ACL last season, I believe Jack Plummer would be the starting quarterback. I like what I saw from him last year, too, uh, in pretty limited snaps uh, in between Sindler's injury and his own injury. Uh, but I would assume Jack Plummer is going to start over Aiden O'Connell or uh, the incoming freshman uh, Griffin from your home state of New Jersey. Yep, Michael Amo, St. Joe's alumni. Michael Amo from uh, St. Joe in uh, Montvale, New Jersey. So uh, I would assume that we're going to see Jack Plummer last year. What did we think with Jack Plummer last season and going forward? Um, I mean, I really liked, I really liked what I saw from Plummer. And all of those mistakes he made, I really thought were just, I mean, like the situation he was thrown into was just, he was, I think he started out the season as like, I don't even think he was the backup. I think he was the third string. And then he just sort of won that like sort of pseudo starting job. But I mean, he, mm-hmm. he had David Bell who helped him a little, but apart from that, I just felt like he had, he had no help because we were just so injured. I felt like he was getting sacked every other play, but when he had a clean pocket, he, he has a great deep ball. I mean, he was also throwing to like a freshman All-American deep ball receiver, but he, he did have a great deep ball. He seemed like he could work through his progressions. I mean, he's got a huge arm, but I just think he definitely wasn't ready for what happened last year. So I hope that he comes back just a little more ready. You know, and I think sophomore yeah, he was a lot of playbook study that, that'll really help him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he was he was really thrown to the wolves last season, of course, with with all that injury. Uh, I don't think he was really ready to uh, to take it on uh, quite the, the, the minute he did, like you said. But uh, from what I saw, I did like him. I thought he was he was a pretty good quarterback. And it's, uh, I like what I saw from Aiden O'Connell, too. But again, maybe with both of those guys, it could have been a weapons thing because they did have so many solid players next to them when they weren't getting beaten into the ground because of terrible offensive line play. Yeah, uh, they were getting huge plays to Hopkins and Bell. Uh, and, and without Hopkins next season, uh, I think uh, the, the guy who's probably going to replace his role immediately, a true freshman, Malik Carr uh, from Oak Park, Michigan. Definitely. Uh, one, of, one of the top tight ends in the whole country uh, incoming this year. But uh, and what I saw of him, this guy, I think he'll fit right into Bryson Hopkins' role as the, I don't want to call him the third option to David Bell and Rondell Moore, but he is, he's, the- he's kind of his own thing. He's he's ter- he's certainly the third option, but he's kind of like a, a different beast than both of those guys. David Bell's the deep ball receiver. Rondell Moore is the the quick, flashy guy, and and Malik Carr is the traditional tight end. Yeah, honestly, I'm not as high on Jack Plummer as you guys are, and I'm not. I don't want to say that Aiden O'Connell should get the starting job because I I mean I see a lot of similarities in two quarterbacks, so I don't know, but I. I just don't see what you guys are seeing in him. I, I think he just doesn't pass the ball accurately enough. And I think that, that this Purdue offense will still play pretty well, but I think he's going to be holding them back a lot. And I think that that's probably the biggest red flag when it comes to Purdue on offense. I just really – I don't see a lot in Plummer. And I don't, I don't trust I've this got... quarterback for a team with the weapons like uh, Bell and Moore. Because I have – I mean, I'm predicting them to do pretty well, but I think he might be what holds them back and makes them lose a few toss-up games. I've got three things with that. Uh, number one, uh, I think that'll come with age and experience. I mean, he barely played last season in the grand scheme of things. So I think a full off season uh, under the coaching staff, plus uh, just learning in his sophomore season, I think will help. Uh, number two, I think no matter if I, I do think he did have a little bit of accuracy issues too. And some of that was just due to pressure because 
the offensive line was so terrible. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's there, but I think his weapons can kind of bail him out. And number three, I don't think he's the biggest red flag on their offense. I think that belongs to their offensive line, which was – That is true. Yeah, As I said, I was thinking, yeah. Because another thing I had my terrible. notes about Palmer is – And it was her. There were injuries. Yeah. There were injuries on the offensive line, but regardless, it was pitiful all season. It was bad. It was a bad offense. And I remember – as as I was as I was taking these notes on Plum, I'm looking at right now, and one of the biggest things about him is I saw this time and you know, time and time again when watching Plumber's film is the offensive line is they they consistently force him to scramble just because they're piss poor at blocking, and he's just he's not a good enough scrambler to get out of there in time, and I think he's going to be a really successful quarterback if he if he learns basically how to avoid the sack and how to move up in the pocket, but right now that's just not in his skill set. So I think it will make a huge impact if he does get better at that. But at this point, it's a lot of it does come out. And it's not his fault because the O-line, like I said, it's terrible. Um, and I think we're all in agreement on that. Oh, oh but yeah. If he can, if he can make up a little bit for that O-line, I think that is going to be a huge win for Purdue. Yeah. So, yeah, and, uh... I definitely am, am in agreement on with you on that about how the O-line is probably the biggest problem with Purdue's offense. And I, I did – I think it's the biggest uh, problem with our team. I exaggerated about Plumber to be honest. I would, say too. I would say it's probably the biggest issue on the team because because I feel overall solid until I start like looking through the O line and I'm like, like I think it's sad when like we got Gus Hartwig, this four star center, and I think it's sad that like I think in spring practices Brown was like, yeah, he's probably gonna start, and I'm like, what other school in the country like even if they are a four star like. So rarely do you see a freshman starting in the Big Ten at center for really good reason. Like, you know, that's a lot yeah. to take on. And I think it's very indicative of where Purdue's O-line is at that we're like, yeah, we want this freshman at center. Yeah. How many how many starting freshmen are there even in the Big Ten? I mean, last year I can remember, what, like, one. Uh, but that was because of injury on in the Indiana offensive line. And this year it'll be who? It'll be Hartwig and uh, – Paris Johnson at Ohio State, but Paris—I yeah. mean, Paris Johnson's a top ten recruit. So yeah, I mean, I think Hartwig's that's a, that's a different good. situation. Like, like he's no, he's he's solid, but he's not. Yeah. he's not Paris Johnson. No, and, and there really isn't anybody in the country like Paris Johnson. Yeah, I'll say, but uh, yeah, that that's the thing with the offensive line. They were playing walk-ons at some point last season too, and uh, we were like impressed. Like that sounds sad, but like that guy that left IU. And then went to Purdue. Yeah, Garvin. Garvin. Like, he, yeah. he, he was a walk-on for us. I think he started out the season, like, third on the center depth chart. And then, like, when he got in, we were like, yeah, he's not bad. Like, Yeah, uh, yeah, a kid from HSC. My dad actually uh, went to college with his dad at the Paw. But That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I remember kind of knowing him growing up. But, uh yeah, the offensive line last year not good, and I don't think it projects to be much better, which is going to hold back the run game. I guess, I guess with Horvath, he can kind of make up for that a little bit, just because he's so big, he can get you an extra yard. Yeah, but turning a one-yard carry into a two-yard carry, I mean, yeah. he is only going to be used in short-yardage situations, I'm afraid. But at the same time, I don't know what the run game is going to look like uh, this year uh, outside of Rondale Moore. I, my hope is that, like, we have been getting higher and higher recruits on the O-line, but, I mean, my hope is, like, maybe in two years we're passable, maybe in three years we're good. 
next year isn't going to be that good. We have Grant Hermans is probably – I mean, he's a good tackle. I think he's our left tackle. He, he's been, like, honorable mention all Big Ten, I think, a few, maybe two times. He's, he's good, and he's been a starter since freshman year. So he's good, but apart from that, Hartwig will be good, I think, in maybe a year. And then there's another guy, Will Bromell, that's at the other tackle that's pretty good. But, I mean, I don't know what's going to go on with either of our guard spots. And I think that, like, having two strong guards, especially for, like you mentioned, for Plummer stepping up in the pocket is super important, and we don't have that. Like, we don't have two guards that, like, will give him any type of leeway to step up and throw. Yeah, yeah, that's what so, I'm thinking too. If you guys are ready to move on from O line, I think I want to talk about the other line, the defensive line. Um, I really like this Purdue defensive line, especially Karloftis. Obviously, he's the guy that everyone looks at. But in watching him, I see a lot of Nick Bosa in him. And that's because he's able to rush the passer very well, but he's got more of like a, a thinner, quicker figure than most defensive linemen. And I think that's a huge plus for him. He's, he's a pretty fast D lineman. And with the pressure he puts on the quarterback, especially I don't like this Purdue secondary very much. So I think a lot of – I think he's going to be relying on this D-line a lot, but I think the D-line can take it. I, they have, I, I believe in this Purdue defensive line. I think that's going to be a huge part of their, of their defense as a whole. Yeah, Reed, I have to agree. Watching the tape, Karloftis is a big guy who knows how to pressure the quarterback, and I think that he's definitely going to definitely impact games for Purdue this coming season. Yeah, the, the two pass rushers that stuck out to me, of course, Karloftis, and we've talked about him ad nauseum, probably the best defensive freshman in the Big Ten, him or Taiwan Mullen, depending on how you feel. But uh, I, I would say with him, I think he's just going to get better, and he'll probably be a first-round pick in a year or two. I assume he'll leave probably after his junior year if he's going to be projected in yeah. the first round. But uh, also, his his younger brother is actually uh, another highly ranked player at West Lafayette High School. Uh, of course, in West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, Yanni Karloftis. I actually saw him play in person last year. They played against our school in the playoffs, and uh, we I don't think he's them. absolutely demolished them. The Trojans did, but uh, I don't think he's nearly as good as his brother. But I still see a lot of that same thing in him. And he's I've seen the, the crystal balls with him are putting him to either Purdue or Wisconsin. I assume he'll go to Purdue though. He lives in West Lafayette. His brother goes there. It just makes too much sense, but. Uh, the other player on the defensive line who I liked a lot was Derek Barnes, uh, who I think uh, could be the other – the guy who you put next to uh, Karloftis uh, in that pass rush, kind of a, a good tandem uh, to to put together. But uh, those two guys are probably uh, the defensive players that stick out to me. Not really a whole lot of other guys in the defense, uh, I would say, uh, who are all that uh, – Super impressive, but those two guys, Barnes and Karloftis, I like a lot. Yeah, um, but I made this point briefly earlier, but the secondary for Purdue, uh, that's a huge problem for me because a lot of times you'll see um, they just they just give receivers too much room. A lot of times they're just going to be wide open receivers that you'll see uh, on mid to deep pass routes, but a lot of linebackers are at fault for this as well um if purdue blitzes if the o-line can hold them off for one or two seconds there's just 10 yards of wide open space for the quarterback to scramble through and i've just seen that in a lot of these games from purdue last season so i think that's a big thing they're gonna have to clean up this year 
is they're just given they're given to the offense is too much room to work with. Yeah, I thought that was an issue too. Uh, especially uh, the one game that stuck out to me, and again, this is probably because last game of the season, recency bias. But but that Indiana game, there were just so many plays in, in the first half, up basically up until the point when Indiana blew the game. Uh, I mean, they ended up winning it, but they they blew it regardless. Uh, there were so many plays right up the middle of the field where Fillier would run a route and and get just wide open. Uh, a lot of plays like that with Fillier and, and with uh, Hendershot too. So I think if the safeties can be better, that that's a big deal. And the linebackers too, because they were short passes in the middle of the field, long passes in the middle of the field. Didn't really matter because uh, all over uh, the the inside of the field, they, they could not really contain anybody. And I think that'll be a problem when they play against uh, teams with good receivers. Uh, a, a team like uh, – I mean, a lot of teams on their schedule. They they have a hard yeah, schedule gonna, this year. God. I, I actually saw this article. Uh, there there was a gambling site called. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. Sportsbettingdime.com, who ranked Purdue as having the toughest schedule in the nation this coming it's, year. It's bad. It's like a. I mean, I looked through it. I I don't see a lot of easy wins. I see a lot of teams where like, hey. Maybe if if Brom actually like uses David Bell as like a counter distraction from Rondale, and we we can actually like throw some deep balls to David Bell instead of just feeding the ball to Rondale, and we balance it with a little run game, and maybe our safeties hold together long enough for Carl Loftus and Barnes and Lorenzo Neal. Are, he's a pretty good D tackle to get to the queue. Then like maybe it's a fifty fifty, but I didn't see that many easy wins. No, in the non-conference especially. The, the non-conference comparatively to a lot of teams, you know, usually for – and I, I think this is a fair assessment of a program like Purdue to say a, going bowling is pretty much the goal. Six and six should be the goal, the bare minimum. And, and that's for a lot of these, these mid-tier to lower-tier Power 5 teams. So when they schedule uh, two very good G5 teams and a Power 5 team in their non-conference. I, I mean, number one, I kind of respect it for, for you know, going for broke uh, with their non-conference scheduling, but they didn't schedule a single easy win in there. And I don't think Boston College is going to be good, but, like, there were no easy wins in there uh, in their non-conference. They didn't schedule, like, an Indiana State or a Ball State or something. They've got Memphis, Air Force, and at Boston College in the non-conference. Yeah, That's brutal. Yeah. So, do we want to talk floors and ceilings and go through the schedule right now? Sure. Uh, I think my floor for this team is five and seven, maybe four and eight, if they go through another year of just absolute injury uh, destruction of the of the uh, roster. Uh, and I think the ceiling is eight and four because the talent is there for an eight and four team. It's just the schedule at the minimum an eight and four team. I would say the talent's there. They've got three truly elite players and more Bell and Karloftis, uh, guys who would start on any team in the country. But uh, I, I just think the schedule is too tough and there are a lot of holes in this roster to the point of where maybe they have the talent for a 9-3, and 10-2 team if everything went right. But I think 8-4 and four would pretty much be the ceiling. So for me, you know what? I actually want to save my floor and ceiling for last. I want to hear what you guys have to say first because – you guys might not like what I have to say. Yeah, Liam. Um, 
<clears throat> I would say floor for me, probably similar to Pat. Probably, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say five and seven, barring any any insane injuries like we had last year. And like you guys said, if Rondell's looking good, and the biggest thing for me is like we're six and six. If we just feed the ball to Rondell, that's that's it. We're <laughs> six and six. We just feed the ball to Rondell. We tried it. We went six and six. And if we don't just feed the ball to Rondale, if Brown realizes he has another freshman All-American receiver, David Bell, and some pretty, like, Malik Carr, Abdurrahman Yassin, Milton Wright's pretty good, Payne Durham scored, like, four touchdowns with nine catches last year. Like, if we, if we actually balance out our offense, I think ceiling is probably eight and four if I'm, like, being realistic, nine and three if, like, I dream. Yeah, I, I think this is a bull team, though, pretty much. If, if everything – again, barring a catastrophic injury or two, this is a bull team. Yeah, I keep the agreeing going on because I know Reed will have a disagreement soon, but I do think depending on injuries and if everything goes right, anywhere between like five and seven, eight and four. All right, so – I'm going to go ahead and say my floor is 6-6 six and six with a 4-5 and five conference record. Um, I mean, I think if they, if they have the exact same injuries, as they did, if every single player who was injured gets the exact same injuries last season, I think this Purdue team might go 3-9, and nine, something like that, because their schedule is harder this year than it was last year, at least in my opinion. But for my floor and ceiling, I'm just going to go ahead and assume the team stays relatively healthy, maybe one injury to a major player or something like that. But I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we have a pretty fair amount of health on this Purdue team. Um, and my ceiling, you guys are going to think I'm crazy for this. Ceiling is 10-2 and two with a 7-2 and two conference record. The reason for that is this schedule, it's similar to Nebraska in that there's a decent amount of toss-up games. But I think I was saying this earlier when I was talking about the offense and a potential play-action play type thing. I think they have uh, upset potential. Obviously, Rondell Moore, like, upset Ohio State in 2018, Rondell Moore was pretty much – did most of the work, but if you throw in some of the some other weapons that this Purdue team has, I think they can upset a team like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go through the schedule right now. My prediction is nine and three with a seven and two conference record, a loss to Memphis, and a loss to two of the following teams: Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, and Indiana. I think they win two and lose two of those. So I got a win at Nebraska week one. I think that's going to kind of set the tone for this season. But then a tough loss, a close loss to Memphis, maybe a one possession, probably touchdown at the most loss. Because I, th- I think Memphis and Purdue are pretty equally skilled teams. But then you got Air Force. I'll give them a win. At Boston College, I think it's going to be closer than what some people might expect. But I think Purdue uh, should win this one by about 10 points. Rutgers, easy win. Illinois, they should win, but you never know. I'm going to give them the win here. Michigan, that's a loss. I don't see very many scenarios where they can beat Michigan. Um, although Michigan is kind of known for losing games or at least almost losing games that they shouldn't, especially like last year with the Army game. And Indiana the last two years, they've been close with some teams they should have handled better, but I don't think they can pull off an upset against Michigan. Northwestern, another close game. This one I could see going either way, but I'm going to give Purdue the win. Minnesota? I give them a chance in this one because here's why. 
I think if they pressure Tanner Morgan enough with that D line, I mean he's he's still got um he's still got Rashad Bateman to pass to, but he doesn't have his two favorite passing options. He only has one of them. So if he gets pressured enough, he's not going to be able to make the types of passes that you saw last season in big games, especially like the Penn State game. And you know, I, I think that Minnesota would still put up a lot of points on Purdue, but Purdue's offense, I mean, keep in mind, that's an offense that can score a lot of points as well. So I think there is a punter's chance of getting an upset there. So then going to Wisconsin, I am not high on Wisconsin at all. I don't see very much with this Wisconsin team. I think Purdue can get a win in that one. Iowa, I'll say it's a toss-up, but I'll give Iowa the win. Or you know what? No, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give them a win against Iowa and then say the lose to Indiana because I don't think because obviously the bucket game is kind of uh, it's always a toss up, but I think Indiana should handle Purdue. So I got a nine and three Purdue team, and I haven't looked into into Minnesota as much as I have as Purdue. I'm gonna say Minnesota is my favorite to win the West right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if Purdue sneaks in with a seven and two, uh, Big Ten record and makes it to Indy, honestly because I like what I see with this Purdue team. I don't like the O line, obviously. I don't like the secondary, but I think they can make up for it and do well enough to make it to to the to Indy and then get the hell kicked out of them by Ohio State. Like any other team. And by the way, everybody else. By yeah. the way, I mean, I, I don't like Purdue at all, but I'm going to be rooting for them every single game this season because, well, except for the Indiana game, <laughs> because I want them to make it to Indy because I need some Ohio State revenge on Purdue. <laughs> I need Ohio State to just – beat the tar out of Purdue because I've been waiting on that. I've been, I'm still mad about that loss. I can't even remember what the score was, but it was 49 to 20. 49 20. Yeah. I was there. It was 29 point loss on the road at Purdue. I'm still mad about that to this day. I don't care how many big 10 championships we win, how many times we beat Michigan. I'll still be mad about the Purdue game. We need to avenge the Iowa loss and the Purdue loss. We play Iowa at home this year, so we can maybe get that done. Uh, or we should get that done, and then potentially a Purdue revenge game. And then I want to see a Clemson revenge game, too. I'm sorry to talk about Ohio State too much, but uh, I'm really rooting for Purdue this year for that reason. Yeah, Chris Olave needs to get his revenge on Clemson. But, okay, Leo, you were at that, that game against Ohio State. Did uh, did, did you go to that one with Zach? Uh, no, Zach was there, and my family relentlessly shit on him for it. <laughs> Zach's another one of our friends, big, Ohio State, uh, yeah. big Buckeye guy. But uh, yeah, he'll he'll be there in the fall. But uh, that that was funny. That was a yeah. funny funny game. But uh, all right, I'm gonna go through the schedule. Uh, so week one, I think this Nebraska team. I think these teams remind me a lot of each That's other. So insulting, uh, but oh, I don't think it is. No, I said this in the Nebraska episode because I think they've got three elite players and a bunch of question marks. I think Northwest era Nebraska has most question marks. I think that, yeah, I would say that, but I don't know. I, I said in our Nebraska preview that I, I have Nebraska winning this game, but I think it's going to be really close and I can see it going either way. But I think just for now, I'm going to say Nebraska wins it. Uh, but we two against Memphis, I think they're going to beat Memphis, and I think this is going to be uh, the win that kind of gets them back on track for the season. Because Memphis is going to have a good team, but again, I, I just kind of trust Purdue to take care of business at home. But then week three against Air Force, the military academy teams always are weird. Like there, there is no doubt about it that they there is going to be some some weird stuff going on in this game, and 
I'm taking Air Force in a close one. It's it's just going to be an odd game. But like Purdue is bound to drop one that they shouldn't at some point during the season, just because that always happens. It, it happens. So I'm going to say that's the one. And then I think they take care of business against Boston College. Uh, again, even though that's you know an East Coast game, they have to travel. So, I mean, hey, that's that's kind of odd, but. I think they're going to beat Boston College because they're just going to be flat out better than Boston College. Uh, Then they'll beat Rutgers. I think they can beat Illinois too because I don't think I don't think Illinois is going to be as good as last season. I think they're going to fall back down to earth. Maybe Illinois can still go bowling, but I'm taking them over Illinois. I think they lose to Michigan. That's on the road. If it was at home against Michigan, I think it'd be a little closer, but on the road, maybe not. Northwestern, another game. I, I'm kind of on the fence about because I like Northwestern a lot more than most people this season, but you know, it's homecoming Purdue's at home Halloween. I'm taking actually, mm, Pat, I swear to God, because I think Peyton, Peyton Ramsey's got their number <sighs> and Northwestern's going to have a top 10 defense in the country next year. I'm taking Northwestern in a close one. Uh, so I've got Purdue at 500. But I think they finish out six and six. I think they lose to Minnesota on the road, but they beat Wisconsin and Iowa uh, because I think Wisconsin, just like Reed, people are way too high on them. Without Jonathan Taylor, what are they going to do? They lost way too much. Yeah, and then Iowa, Iowa's losing all the momentum right now because of the whole coaching staff racism thing. Uh, I think they are going to just kind of fall apart. They're going to lose the locker room at some point. And then Indiana, I think they lose, but. I am not confident in that because the old is without a doubt one of the weirdest games every single year. Uh, a few things about it. Number one, no matter where you're playing it, it is going to be overcast, 40 degrees and rainy. Number two, doesn't matter how good either team is or how bad either team is, it is going to be closer than it should be yep. every time. Regardless of side, it's and it is going to make both teams – it's going to make both teams want to pull out their you're hair. You're never happy when you win the old Oaken bucket. I will say, like, you're, you're never, you're never no. like, wow, <laughs> great performance going into bowl season. I'm excited. Like, regardless, every year it always seems like if I, you win, you guys walk out like, what the hell happened? And, like, same with if Purdue wins. Like, and it's always the more talented team, I feel like, that wins. But the more talented team is never happy with the win. Nobody is – no, you are always going to be unhappy because you make a ton of stupid mistakes. And and one player on, on the other team, no matter what, like the losing team is going to have one player who sticks out and has a huge performance. Like, I mean, last year it was David Bell. And I guess you could say Horvath as well. But, like, I remember even in, like, 2014 uh, when my cousin was playing at Purdue uh, – or maybe it was 2013, I don't remember. When my cousin was at Purdue, though, Danny uh, Danny Etling, when he was the quarterback at Purdue, he threw for, like, 400 yards, and they still lost by three yeah, scores. That was a low point. I was at that game, actually, uh, fun fact. But, uh, yeah, uh, always an odd game, that old Oaken bucket. But I have Purdue at 6-6. Six and six. But I think seven and five, eight and four is possible because I, I think they can kind of turn around the Nebraska Northwestern games, but Wisconsin and Iowa I think could also turn around. Uh, so yeah, six and six is my prediction, but seven and five totally likely as well. I don't think they're going to finish below six and six. So I just wanted to bring this up real quick because we were talking about the old Oaken bucket and how it's always bad weather and students aren't on campus and it's always bad like that. 
Um, and the idea just popped in my head, so it could be a stupid idea. Let me know if it is. But how do we feel about the bucket in Lucas Oil? Okay, a couple things with that. I actually have – It would I have be a good opinion on this. I, I think the, it would be well-attended, but there are a couple issues. Number one, that's the weekend at Lucas Oil that they're playing the high school state championships. Uh, that's right. But the thing is, I think they should just keep it on campus but move it to another week in the season because – that way, the weather's better. It's better attended. Both teams are still optimistic. Yeah, I agree. So I think moving it to like first week in October because there are not every rivalry has to be played the last week. And of the can season. we all agree it's just like a terrible idea Look, that like I have never gotten that. It's like it should be the most hyped up game of the year. It should be sold out with students, and it never is because all the students are home. And like, regardless of how big a fan you are, you're not going to like. <laughs> convince your parents like hey let me stay on campus an extra week for this like football like it just it never seems to work out with all of the energy that you want it to it still means something obviously but like Mm -hmm. that game should mean way more and it's it's sad that like i think like when Purdue played like tcu last season bad memory but when we played tcu last season like that was way more exciting than like the purdue iu game even at iu because it's like you know it's not there's no like there's really no students there's it doesn't feel as much like a college football game. No, and really, really, the only students who can even make the trip for that are the ones who live in Indianapolis or maybe Chicago because they're they're the only yeah. ones within driving distance. So, I think moving that game because not, neither team has a big enough or I hate to say dedicated enough fan base to to sell out that game without do. students. Few teams do because I mean it's not Ohio State, Michigan. I think. You know, for basketball, oh, they obviously could. But for football, different story. Yeah. So I think moving it to an earlier week in the season versus putting it in Lucas Oil Stadium is kind so of So here's my, my thought on that. Obviously, from what I can tell, the Indiana State Championships in high school are a pretty big thing. But I feel like you could just move that to a different stadium, honestly. Because I think if you're, if you're going to make the, the bucket mean more, First of all, you can fly in Indianapolis, and I know that you know flying's not cheap. So obviously, you're still not going to get the student fan base. Uh, it's you're going to have similar issues there, but you know obviously Indianapolis has got a lot of alums from uh, the Indiana schools. So uh, I think it would do them well to put it in Lucas Oil Stadium. But again, it is just an idea, and it's probably ne- never going to happen anyway. There was a little bit of talk about it last year, I think. Uh, I heard there was some rumor that, that Mitch Daniels was looking into it, but I don't think it's actually going to happen. And I would I would like to see it on campus still, but just a different week. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. That's, that's my two cents. Yeah, it's a shame because it really could be a much better game. And my other thing with moving it to a different week is it would get a lot more national spotlight because right now it has to – it's not even on like a main network. It's on ESPN two every year because Ohio State and Michigan are playing and, and all oh, these yeah. other big games. So maybe you would get a little bit more attention if you played it. I think we drive, I think at least this year you got to have it mid to late season because I think if you put it week five, then no one's going to care about either Indiana or Purdue. But I think this season, I think Indiana should be ranked by the middle of the season. So I think if you put it like week nine ish. I think you get more attention, and I think that would be more what you're looking for. But uh, I, I think you're you're on the right track with not putting it in rivalry week because yeah, it always weather's bad, low TV ratings, all that. 
Yeah, uh, and Reed, I'm curious. Do you think we're going to have a ranked Old Oak and Bucket game this year? Um, do you think? Do I think both teams will be ranked? Do you think both teams will be ranked Ooh. going into that game? I mean, with my predictions, they should be because because um, Purdue would have two losses. Purdue would be nine and two, and Indiana would be probably nine and two as well, or maybe eight and eight and three. I think it should be ranked match. I mean, I don't know if the AP poll will because the AP poll seems to hate Indiana. So I can't say that right now, but I think me. it should be. That's what I, that's my take on it. I don't see why not. That would be insane. That'd be but uh, that'd be the first Leo, time ever. Uh, Leo Griffin. Yeah, that yeah, would. Yeah, it probably so. would. Our teams are uh, never good at the same time in basketball or football. Never. Never. Uh Griffin and Leo, I'll let you guys uh, finish with your schedule. Yeah, Leo, would you like to go first? Um, actually, can you go first? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So the first game we're with Nebraska. I think they're going to beat Nebraska because, like what Leo said, I think Nebraska has a lot more question marks than Purdue does, and I don't really have a lot of faith or hope in Nebraska this year going bowling or having a winning record. Then. The with the way Memphis played last year in the championship game against Penn State, if they can get that momentum again, then I think uh, Purdue might take a tough loss. The Air Force game, like Pat, like you said, it's a weird game, but I think Purdue can handle Air Force, but it would be like a field goal or a touchdown game because it's older than it should be. Um, then they have... I think three wins in a row with Boston College, Rutgers, and Illinois. I don't really – I'm not high on any of those teams. And they'll have a tough loss to Michigan just because it's in Ann Arbor. I think they're going to beat Northwestern. I'm still not super high on Northwestern despite the fact that I, – I know their defense is great, and I'm sure you guys have arguments for that, but I, I'm still not super high on Northwestern, especially with the way they played last year. Uh, and then they'll have a – Close loss to Minnesota, a win against Wisconsin, a win against Iowa, and a loss to Indiana. Okay, so, uh, so my what's final your final record? record? So my final record would be one. Seven and five. Seven and five. Eight and four? Yeah. Seven Sorry, five. I'm just making seven sure that I didn't confuse any games. But yeah, seven and five total. All right. Am I good to go? Yep. All right. Take it. So, huh. All right. So I'm going to say Purdue at Nebraska is a win for Purdue. I just think, yeah, Nebraska, just too many question marks. Although Martinez, I, I think that's one with like a lot of like, I'm not going to say upset because it's not like we're going to be ranked or anything, but like with like some like, that could definitely go either way just because, I don't know, Adrian Martinez, Robinson, they have playmakers. Um, and then I'm going to say Memphis mm-hmm. at Purdue, just it being at Purdue. And really, for, uh, when I'm looking at the schedule, I'm going 6-0 through the first six games. Then things change a lot. But a lot of that actually is because I think, like, when they're prepping for Purdue, I think that's going to be real tough for those first few games. Not like we're world beaters or anything, but more so because it's going to be a different looking offense in every way because of the injuries. Like when you're watching film from last year, like 
I mean, you're not really – you're watching an anemic offense. That is Purdue's strength. Like, we're not an anemic offense ever. We were last year because of injuries. So, I think prepping for Purdue for the first few games until you get enough film is going to be murder. It's going to be kind of like that – that you know that always rookie quarterback in the NFL that tears it up? And then year two, nowhere near as good, and that's because no one had film on him. Yeah, so I think that's, that's mm-hmm. a bit of a factor. So, I think Purdue for the Nebraska-Memphis – game both wins for Purdue fairly easily and then Air Force at Purdue I'm actually going to say that Purdue's strength is our D-line and if our linebackers can step up then I think that's not a tough win just because I mean like we said like our secondary our corners are fine but the safeties are where we struggle on that back end and Air Force isn't exactly testing you deep with deep passing or even passing really of any kind so I don't really think that one will be too bad of a problem. Purdue at Boston College. I don't know. Boston College is destined to go six and six every year, and I don't think that changes. I think we win. Yeah. Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> every year. Then Rutgers in Illinois. I mean, those guys are kind of doormats of the Big Ten, even though we somehow lost to Rutgers two years ago, and I'm still pissed about it. Three years ago. Yeah, lost I'm Illinois last, last year. year. But we're, we're all forgetting last year, so – yeah, last year yeah. kind of and throw it out so the I think window. those are wins, and then I do think we lose at Michigan, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think we're six zero, and then we get just smacked. I mean, that's at the big house. No matter how much shit I can talk about how bad of a Harbaugh, how how bad of a coach Harbaugh is, because um, I don't think he's always cracked up to be. I mean, you can look at his OSU record, but I think Purdue just gets smacked in that game. It's at the big house. They still have so many playmakers. Northwestern at Purdue. I am not high on Northwestern at all. They're just I I just don't I just don't see it. I mean yeah, I think we flipped their top recruit, Romagna scene. Although eh, I mean Ramsey's decent. Um but yeah, I, I think Purdue wins that. I think Purdue at Minnesota, at Minnesota, I, I think Purdue loses because even though it's even though uh they're not gonna be nearly as good, I think, just because, you know, they lost a lot. I still think Tanner Morgan's a good enough quarterback. Rashad Bateman's really, really good. Is Ottman Bell still there? They're they're like their third good wideout from last year. Not sure. Because if he's still there, I'll look that up for you. Loss. But and then on it, Wisconsin at Purdue. I actually think this is the first time because Purdue's that's like a big thing for Purdue is like the one team we just seem to never beat is Wisconsin, but. I mean, you're losing Jonathan Taylor. You're losing Bond. I think you're losing a lot from that team, and I actually think Purdue can pull it off also because of the lack of deep passing and their quarterback play is just never strong, but it never has to be. And then I think – By the way, to answer your question, Chris Altman-Bell is still on the team. Okay, yeah, then, then I think that's a definite win for Minnesota. I think it's a win for Purdue with Wisconsin coming to Purdue just also because it's at Purdue and – we always do get weirdly hyped up for that game just because we seem to never beat them. But I think this year we pull it out. Iowa at Purdue. Yeah, Iowa so at Purdue. I just I was in I was just in shambles with the whole coaching thing. And also what'll hopefully help our, our cornerback is we did did you guys see we swiped a transfer from them, a former four star? Yeah, a guy from yeah, to high school in North see. Central. Um so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about him. I think he'll definitely help. And then Purdue at IU, so yeah, we'll be we'll be nine and two going in. And I think for that for that game, it's 
it's always a coin flip. I'm honestly going to say I just don't know. Like, I don't know what – I think we'll definitely have to see how it goes. I think a week before, you can – we'll be able to make a pretty easy call on it, but it just – I, I just have no idea. I looked at IU's schedule, and I think they're they're nine and two, possibly eight and three if things don't go that well. But they use Fillier the way they did last year. They're nine and two going into that, and I think it's a coin flip. Right now, I'm going to say IU just because it's at IU. Yeah, yeah, that that game is always weird, and the fact that I predicted Indiana to win that game means that they probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I think. Six and six was was kind of a conservative estimate for me, but again, I I think they can they can flip that Nebraska game pretty easily, and and I think whoever wins that Nebraska game is gonna kind of have a better season, uh, so to speak. It'll it'll kind of set the tone, but I, I think the Nebraska one's a potential flip, and I think Northwestern too. If the offense doesn't change as much as I think it will with a new offensive coordinator, uh, then I think they they'll uh they'll handle Nebraska- Northwestern pretty well. So I, I would say eight and four is within the realm of possibility for me, but uh, six and six is my pick for now. And all right, last thing before we go, what bowl game do we think they're going to go to? Um, I would say holiday bowl, but we no longer have that tie-in. So, so uh, that would be basically Las Vegas bowl. That's what yeah, I'll put in Las Vegas bowl. Yeah, I think yeah. Las Vegas bowl. Yeah, Las Vegas Bowl is a pretty good pick. Because you normally send like a, like kind of sort of the same for Purdue and I. You normally send that like you know that like Purdue. I'm assuming by the end of the season and I, you actually will probably be like AP top twenty five, twenty like one to twenty five, and I feel like that's the team that always goes to the Las Vegas Bowl. Yeah, it's always yeah, like number somewhere in that ballpark. I, I think is a fair estimate. That's a fair estimate, I think. And uh, now that the Big Ten's got that that Las Vegas Bowl tie in. I, I don't know where I think uh, – I was kind of leaning like, like yeah. Redbox, Bull, I think, but they went to that a couple of years ago. So I don't know if they would send them there again, but but something in that that range, maybe Pinstripe Bull. Actually, yeah, I'll say they go to the Pinstripe okay. Bowl. I can see that. Which yeah. I think that's still a decent game. So no, no reason to be disappointed in that. So that's our season preview for Purdue. Uh, yeah, Leo, thanks for, thanks for coming on today. I uh, really appreciate it. Feel oh, free yeah, to come definitely. back anytime. All right. All right, so that's our show for today. Uh, Thank you for listening. Later, boys. Have a good one. Bye. Peace.